We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Hammond, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me today, Fox 40's Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? James, I'm doing excellent. We are in the opening night of NBA basketball. So fantastic. It's finally here. I'm happy. The beam was lit last night, so looks like the city is festive and ready for Kings basketball as well. So, Was that a premature beam? Well, I think in terms of winning and losing, yes. But I think it served a purpose. It probably they probably had a helicopter or drone in the air getting some great visuals of that bad okay. boy lit. It was uh brighter and girthier. Oh, stop wow. it. All right. Beam team coming through right there. Stupid smile on your face when you said that. <laughs> I mean, it is I mean, am I wrong? It was accurate. Not what I would say, but all right. Also joining us today is Brenda Nunez from the King's Pulse podcast. Brendon, what's going on? Not too much. Um, doing well. You know, I did see the beam. I didn't exactly pay attention to its girth necessarily, but no? I did think it looked a, a little bit stronger, huh. darker, I guess, or or just like brighter, I guess would be a way to say it. Yeah, that's, that's a... where I'm at. I'm excited that regular season basketball starts today i mean there's some thickness to it she got thick Thick, over the offseason yeah yeah that's fine (laughs) okay sure you guys are ridiculous uh first up let's start with the basics uh what do we got for podcasting candles Mm. oh so i'm running it back with my clearance waterfall candle Oh shit, that's hot. Um, hold on. Brendan uh, it's goes chasing waterfalls. Mine's a little, mine's a little warm. So it's a Coco Paradise Bath and Body Works. No, no, oh. no sponsorship necessary unless, hey, Bath and Body Works, jump on, huh? Jump on board here. Coco Paradise. Beach. That is hot. Yeah, Coco Paradise. <laughs> smells great though. 
Uh, amazing. Um, yeah, like a hey. strip club in here. It's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Go ahead. This podcast has started off <laughs> on a strange, strange note. Um, let's just continue it. Let's continue this strange note. Uh, if you're watching here on YouTube, uh, feel free to give us a thumbs up. We appreciate that. Uh, also, subscribe to the channel. That would be amazing. Uh, hopefully, we will have a live show coming up, uh, like just a regular live show, not a live in-person show. I am diligently working on a live in-person show, so people should know that it is going to happen. Um, at least a live in-person hangout. We might not do a show the first time. Uh, I think just hanging out and everyone coming in to a spe specific spot and uh, like you know chilling out and getting to know us a little bit better and getting to know the other uh, members here in the King's Beat. I think that would be cool. Um, and I might do some sort of ticket thing on that uh, where I'll, I'll work it all out. So then that way we know who's coming and how many people are coming roughly, and then we'll cap it at a certain number. Um, let's you see, number two. In the form of candles. You can pay in the form of candles, or you can bring candles to the event and give them to Sean and Brendan. Appreciate that. Yeah. I actually I would... looking around, I'm looking around the room to see if there's something I might give away. That'd be kind of fun. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. 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 We'll, we'll figure that oh, out. look at now Sean is thinking about he's thinking of much bigger things than I am here. <laughs> um Okay, let's get to the other basics. Uh, jump on board with the King's Beat. We're rolling out. We're back to regular stuff, and it's chaos and uh, juggling and balancing everything all at once. But uh, the King's Beat is still grow go going strong. Uh, become a premium subscriber. So you get invited to the things like our meet and greet uh, at some undisclosed location that will be later disclosed <laughs> once it's put in place. Um Okay, we had uh, practice today. Everyone knows today is the start of the regular season. We're looking at, uh, what do we have? We have Suns and, oh. Suns, Suns and Warriors is the second game. The first game is Lakers and Nuggets. Lakers, Nuggets. Um, this is like the, the grand kickoff. I know we, we do already have like load management happening in game one, um, or at least injuries in game one with uh, Bradley Beal and Draymond Green sitting. Uh, it sounded like Devin Booker would play. Um, I, I just wonder at some point if some of these other teams might take the Kings lead and search for players who don't don't typically get injured instead of players that get injured all the time. So then that way they could be written about as a fraudulent team that only wins because they have healthy players. I don't know. It's <laughs> not that you're bitter about that or anything. I just It's just the most <laughs> ridiculous thing. I, I've ever heard. I, I, you know what I don't hear, man. The the Phoenix Suns are so incredibly amazing, and they they are going to finish second in the West if they can stay healthy. I don't think I've heard that yet. But the other side, yeah, you hear it all the time. Even though the Suns have players all up, up and down their roster that uh, get hurt all the time. No, Brandon's looking. At me I like think I hear crazy. both for what it's worth. But I get where you're coming from. Really? Uh, okay. Okay. I don't know. I, I just like at, at the end of the day, I, I, I think that the Kings get uh, a bum rap because they're the Kings um, on some of these topics. And I think it's like low hanging fruit stuff, which I don't know. It's like a common theme that we're seeing. But um, but isn't it OK? Let's just play the game a second. Yep. It's true, right? Like we've talked about. If hey, it, they we didn't see this team with extended absences of 
Sabonis and Fox. What if that okay. happens? What's that look like? And I, I think there's a fear of the unknown there. I don't disagree when people say barring injury, but again, I see your point, James, because barring injury, any team can look significantly different. You know, if they lose their star player, I think the Kings have a, uh, a deep team. This is clearly their most talented team that they've had in over a decade. And I, uh, but I don't think they have the, the 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 depth. I think they have depth at other positions. I don't think they have the enough depth at the positions of the star players, if that makes sense. And knowing that what Sabonis adds to the team, and I, you know, I think it's timely to talk about him based on you know some of the attention he's getting, be it from John Hollinger, Kevin O'Connor, um, people who, or even scouts around the league. There are there is when we talked about last podcast. There's people who have legit. Um, concerns and criticisms of Demonis Sabonis, and and I understand it. Um, I don't thoroughly agree with it, especially for a guy who finished third in MVP or third was a top five in MVP voting. Six, I think he was six. Yeah, but or, okay. yeah, and then Muggs, um, Muggs center was still you know top three in all NBA. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it, it it's I I understand the criticisms. I'll get him in a playoff series. Obviously, see what happened with the Warriors, and it's not like the Kings did much to help him in that department, but also like, you know, you're just tipping off the season. There's plenty of year left to hopefully find him some, some help, particularly with rebounding and physicality and things of that nature. So um, I understand the criticism. I don't think there's really people being haters. I think the people that, um, that have explained themselves, like it's legit. Like you can talk to people throughout the league. They're going to have those same things. Um, But I don't think it's enough to be. And I think Kings fans obviously known what what it's like to be, you know, shit upon by national media and people like that. But I don't necessarily think that this is a playing a victim card quite yet, so much as it is maybe just some people not believing in the success that this team had had. Um, and when you only have one year of it, you know, that's what you have to prove is that you can find consistency. So I like the challenge of it, and I don't think anybody should be insulted by it if that makes sense. No, I, I get what you're saying, but I, you know, we can look at the Lakers and say, "Hey, look, mm-hmm. if the Lakers stay healthy, they they're probably a three or a four seed, right? If everyone stays healthy, the Lakers are probably a three or a four seed. The problem is that even if the Lakers stay reasonably healthy, that that hasn't been the case. Like, there is no way to say if they stay healthy, because Anthony Davis does not stay healthy." And LeBron James is almost 39 years old and has not been able to stay healthy the last couple of years. And that's just those two players. And we can go to every single team. I mean, the Golden State Warriors are relying on Klay Thompson. They're relying on Draymond Green. They're relying on a 38-year-old Chris Paul. They're relying on a 35-year-old Steph Curry. And not only are they relying on older players, they're relying on each of those older players have major history of injury. And so that's where my gripe comes in when it comes to, again, I, I think it, it just is low hanging fruit. We, sure. we don't hear it as a normal conversation that the Los Angeles Clippers are like the fourth best team in the Western conference if they stay healthy. And that's like the biggest freaking asterisk I've ever seen in my entire life. They have two like great players that haven't been able to stay healthy for five years. So like all of a sudden the NBA puts, some sort of like magical number. You got to play 65 games in order to be all league. Those guys don't care about all league. 
they care about when they want to sit out games and when they they want to play games. And hopefully they're ready for the playoffs. And even then, a lot of these players aren't ready for the playoffs. So I don't know. For me, it it like strikes a chord because I do think uh, like it's it's slightly disrespectful at this point. So Brennan, I'm just way off base. No, I think I understand where both of you are coming from, really. I think for a lot of people, it's going to take more than one season to for them to believe that this is real. You know, I, I think there's plenty of reason to believe that that offense should be back close to what it was last year going into this season. And that's really what they rode to their 48 wins. As we know, their defense really struggled. So I, there's no reason to think the offense should not still be there. But I get where people are coming from that like just this still needs to be proven as a long-term thing. This wasn't just one year. Um, so I get that a little bit and specifically to like the Kevin O'Connor stuff that seemed to be a hot topic on socials today. I actually didn't really disagree with most of what he said. The part that really got me was the end where he said Sabonis will get exposed just like he did last year in the playoffs. And I struggled to accept that a guy got exposed when his team was in position to win the series. The Kings could have easily won that series being my main point. And this guy averaged 16.4 points, 11 rebounds, 4.7 assists on 49% from the field. Like he didn't get exposed. Sure. The Warriors definitely accounted for his weaknesses that I do think he has and could be a long-term concern when it comes to roster construction. If you're talking about eventually winning a championship, but he definitely wasn't exposed in that playoff series. Well, that and like my re response to that would be what player doesn't have a weakness? Like, I, I don't know that there is one in the league. I mean, at one point, you could probably say LeBron was as close to a, a bulletproof guy as you could get. But every player has a weakness. And my point isn't that, you know, like you got that everyone gets exposed for their weakness and all of that. Stuff. No, it's that most teams find a way to protect that weakness on the, with their player especially a star level player. And that's where I think we can keep coming back to roster construction because I don't think the Kings helped Sabonis this off season at all. Like the, if right. the goal was to not ex get Sabonis exposed, then go get him a shot blocking uh, starting level power forward. that can a three and D power forward that can play alongside him and block some shots. Okay. Go ahead and protect him because that's, that's where it's like, you know, every single player has has a huge weakness in their game. Like, I again, I, I don't know what player doesn't. But Sabonis' weakness is it's right there. Everyone can see it. Like, sure, he's not a he's not a rim protector. We get it. Well, his backup is a rim protector, but, you know, that doesn't matter because he's not going to play with Sabonis. So how are you helping Sabonis? And you're not helping him by bringing in Sasha Vazenkov to play the four because he's not a shot blocker. He can shoot the three. Uh, but he's he's not that player. So maybe you can't find that player. Maybe that player is not available. I get it. But at the well, same time, that's where I would be like, hey, you know, like if you're going to build around a player, you know, I'd rather build around a guy who plays 79 games and a guy that plays 55 like Anthony Davis, where the whole time you're worrying about whether or not he's going to show up out of out of the locker room at halftime. Yeah, and they extended him too. So, that, I mean, you, I guess yeah. there's some people that could say, hey, you know, why'd you extend Barnes if, if that's what you truly needed and go out and get that as opposed to Barnes. But you know, that's why I say it's like, this is what the team currently looks like now. I mm -hmm. think they could look a little different by the trade deadline. Um, and even if they don't, they've still set themselves up nicely. Like if this is a year where 
you know, they hope to make some strides. Great. This that's fantastic. And then you build off of that. You know, it's not, it's not a championship or bust type of season. Like they're playing a long game here and um, you continue to build your team. But I think on the exposed part of it, I think the, 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 the looking at the devil's advocate side of it, they might say, okay, Demonis Sabonis looked uncomfortable with the spotlight on him, especially considering in the, in the wake of Draymond Green stomping on his chest and then bringing into attention some of the veteran savvy tricks he gets away with. And then he gets officiated differently. And now he's out on the Island where he's got to, where he's got to shoot and making those shots and being consistent from the outside um, all the while with the spotlight on you and all the while with the physicality that he's facing made him look uncomfortable. And I think it said as much when he left game seven without shaking hands with anybody. I mean, he clearly was bothered by his performance uh, and the team's loss in game seven. So uh, to me, that's the ultimate motivation for Demos to bring that into this season and duplicate what he did last season, which was a phenomenal all-star level um, type of season that he had. And I completely expect him to duplicate that. And I, whether they get help or not, I do expect a different Domas in the playoffs, regardless if they're playing the Warriors or not. I think they're going to be better suited to uh, take some of the strides that they that they're trying to make with physicality and changing the offense a little bit, and um, you know, obviously with the commitment to defense that they have. But I'm also com- confident that they will get some help for him uh, later on in the season. Yeah, I, I I'm pretty confident of that as well, and I'd also say like one of the ways to get around being like the spotlight of the playoffs is that the Kings play 22 nationally televised games this year. Like they will get, be used to the the spotlight by the end of the season. And I think that that that's a big deal. Like making it to the playoffs is, is cool and it helps you. But at the same time, like having that be almost become routine for 25% of your games to basically be in front of a, a, a big spotlight game. That, that's good. It's good for Domas. It's good for every single one of these players if, if they hope to embrace that side of it and be ready for the playoffs when that's what the playoffs feel like. It feels like all eyes are on you across the globe and you need to perform. And so I don't know. I like I, I'm just like slightly confused where the Kings go from the end of the season as like the media darlings to at this point. They're like the hot take. Uh, choice to be a, a bust, a bust team, like from from the jump, from um, some, from some, from, no, from like eighty percent of national media outside of like Mark Spears, like yelling and screaming that you know Mike <laughs> Brown is gonna it's gonna win the whole thing. Uh, like there's a big percentage of people, and it's not just the John Hollingers or the Kevin O'Connors of the world. I mean, there are plenty of people who are out there like taking pop shots at the Kings uh, and, and every single one of their write-ups say, and they were the healthiest team ever. It's like, okay, we get it. So, uh, all right. Like, are we going to keep saying that the, the Clippers are the most unhealthy, healthy team we've ever seen. Okay. That's fine. They can keep finishing six. So um, Brendan, uh, what did you think of Mike Brown yelling and screaming profanity at his team today when we came into <laughs> uh the the practice facility yeah so for some context De'Aaron shared they were doing a two-minute drill to simulate a clutch situation and he said they started down for him assuming they means himself in the starting group and they were playing a bit against the bench five 
for what it's worth, that had Chris Duarte but did not have Trey Lyles and instead Sasha Vizenkov. And apparently what happened is both teams scored every time except for one turnover and a missed free throw. And we heard Coach Brown, after he called them into a huddle, say a handful of things, one of which included uh, that was the worst effing two-minute drill I've ever seen and just lit into his team. And you know, pretty much the message that seemed to be getting across was we can't play defense like we did last year and expect to be better. That This just can't happen. And obviously Mike Brown is very serious about implementing that into his team's mindset and making sure that they know the seriousness of this because it hasn't gotten much better throughout preseason from what we've seen in the games. They've claimed that it's been better in practice prior to today and, and yesterday. So I like seeing it from Coach Brown. It's interesting to see because typically we don't exactly get our eyes on it, although I don't think it's exactly uncommon for Coach to be doing that. But he's just very much making it clear that we can score, but if we don't get stops, it's not going to matter. Yeah, I think it's the the biggest challenge facing the Sacramento Kings. It's this idea. I think there are two ways for the Kings to improve this year, right? Number one is a defensive end. And that's because they were horrible. And like Mike Brown, like he almost yelled at us today that we will not be 25th. We will not be 26th in defensive rating this year. I was like, holy cow. He's like seventh. It was like a, it was like a mantra. Like you, like, like he, he probably gets up every day and says those words. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Ooh, you're an angry elf. And I know you know, it one. was like, you know, that one, see, uh, I, I don't know. I, he was angry. And uh, I, I think that like there are tweaks that they can make, but um, before we we jumped on here, um, there is the other thing, and, and it plays into this this old discussion here that we're talking about. Um, Chris Duarte was back at practice uh, yesterday. He did, he had no contact today. It looked like he was full contact, and he should be able to play in the opener. Trey Lyles will not play in the opener. Uh, he is still out with a calf injury. He has not been cleared to resume basketball-related injuries, uh, to resume basketball-related uh, functions on the court. Um, so that opens the door for Sasha Vizenkov. But also, I, I think Chris Duarte missing time here. It opened the door for Kevin Herter to reclaim or uh, hold on to, uh, retain. He's the incumbent. Uh, hold on to the, uh, the starting shooting guard spot. So... I want to play Mike Brown's comments about this today because it does play into this larger physicality and defensive discussion because he, he doesn't sort of hold back here. Like we see uh, Chris back out on the court today. Just how does he look, number one? Number two, how open is that position going forward still? Is is it decided what's going to happen on opening night, but maybe even Friday or, or, yeah, or Kevin, Sunday? Kevin's going to start, and you know every time we practice, every time we have shoot-around, uh, it's my job to evaluate the team. And I, I, I told the group there, I said, I, I know for sure I'm not going to sit back and watch us play the same way we play defensively without making changes. It doesn't just mean Kevin. That can mean anybody. You know, obviously Fox and Domus, a little harder to make a change there, you know, uh, but that can mean anybody. And, and not just with the starting five. It could be with uh, the eighth guy in the rotation. Well, if he can't bring it defensively, maybe we need to put somebody else in his spot. But our team 
from top to bottom has to understand that we got to defend and we don't and will not finish 25th or 26th defensively as a team. When you look we will not do you think he thinks they're he, you think he thinks they're going to finish better or worse? <laughs> After practice today, I don't know. About 27, 28, 29, 30. No. Uh, I mean, it's possible he's going to throw Chris Suarez out there and see what he can do if that's what's happening. Uh, yeah, Chris, of course, was in the one. shot. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good luck on that one. I, I, I think they may shoot over the top of Chris. It's possible. Um. Yeah, uh, where are we at with this? Because I think it's a good discussion that, you know, like they fully understand their weakness. And, and again, I, I think they have two weaknesses. Number one is the defensive side of the ball. Um, and number two is their inability to take care of home court advantage. And the funny thing is they're actually good defensively on the road in the last season, and they were horrible defensively at home, and which is why they didn't win as many games at home. And if this team wants to take the next step, it, it's going to have to be winning 30 games at home and not 23. And uh, like, that's, that's gotta be one of the focuses as well. The take, the takeaway is Mike was pissed and he should be, uh, especially when, you know, Domas, the first person we talked to talked about how over the past few days, you know, guys are trying hard, but there's not the results that they're looking for. Mike Brown called that slippage um, and to call it out. But I think what he's also pissed at more than him having to constantly call it out is the fact that others don't call it out and who knows what that looks like but i think that's all part of the discussion of mike trying to make things uncomfortable for his team uh within this these first month of or so that they've been together and challenging his leaders and brendan you you brought it up to mike's face in the scrum which was sabonis and fox like like Sabonis has a, a, a leadership about him and St and Fox does as well, but they're not like in your face, jump your shit type of guys, right? These are guys that try to go out there, use their words um, carefully, um, not try to be the type of person who's constantly talking, talking, talking. Um, I, I always say Sabonis is kind of a connector. He brings the best out of people. Um, Fox goes out there and kind of leads the way and sets, an, sets a tone and an, an example. But, um, and not to, you know, bring a Hollywood aspect into this. You don't need like a rah-rah guy, you know, who's just constantly chattering and just like, this isn't Hollywood. That's not, that doesn't always lead to anything productive, but this team is who it is. And part of the fact of, you know, keeping the continuity and, and having the benefits of continuity. Also, there's the, the negatives of it too. Like this team is largely what it is. And you're hoping that some of the pieces, i.e., Chris Duarte can, can help change some of that approach and mentality uh, and, and just growth from individual players, even like Keegan Murray, can he help change the identity of his team? And as Mike talks about, they know what they want their identity to be. And we talked about this last year. It's like, you may want that identity, but the, the identity is your bread is buttered being a fast, up-tempo, efficient offense. Um can you go from that even taking a possibility of a step back to increase that defensive rating that you have? That's the challenge. And, and, and who knows if that, if that happens with this group, but at the end of the day, we know what this team is right now for the most part. And there are a few unanswered questions and a few, you know, little 
pieces that you have curiosity about to see if they can impact this in a positive manner or even help changes. And I think they're putting a lot of stock in the way that they were able to defend with physicality at times without fouling in that playoff series um, and shown the ability on the road to be uh, throughout the season, a decent defensive team. Somehow, some way they have to make gradual increase in, in that defensive rating uh, and if it means someone's got to come in and be a dick, then be a dick. You know, you have to, it, I don't, I don't know what, what way to say it, but um, the physicality, the defense, it, it all goes hand in hand. It's all, we're all talking about the same thing. And this is just a team that can, can have a reputation of being a little bit soft. Sean said, screw the filter today. I love it. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, he's out there going today, full I Mike guess, Brown. But, yeah. I am glad Sean brought that up though, because I think that, that was one of my bigger takeaways today as well is that, you know, coach is talking about, I also need somebody on the floor that's willing to do that. And I think we've seen De'Aaron's lead by example. Like he's, he has done that throughout preseason. I think his defense has been great. And maybe as he does that more consistently, he'll feel more comfortable getting on some of his teammates about doing it, but we haven't seen him be that guy much in the past, which is not an issue. It's just each person has their own personality. And they don't really have that right now. You know, we've seen JaVale speak up a little bit. I think it means a lot more when it's coming from a guy that's playing 30, 20 plus minutes a night than maybe someone on the fringe of your roster, but it certainly helps to still have that voice. And I don't really know what to make of what we saw today, because while I do enjoy and think it's a good thing that Mike is getting on them about this, I don't love that he's having to do that right before the season starting. Well, yeah. I, I, can I say one more thing? I just, yeah. Th- I've said this before. I said this wouldn't. I mean, that's what coaching looks like, and and yeah. you've got to bring it out of you've got to bring it out of people. You know, maybe he's trying to bring it out of his staff. Maybe it needs to be one of his assistants. Maybe Jordy is his associate head coach, stopping practice and and popping off or or calling things out as as that need to be called out, and whether it be holding accountable. It, that's just what coaching looks like, and trying to draw stuff out of these guys. I asked him, I said, Hey, was this all just to set a tone for, for practice going into the season opener? Are you noticing regression as he called it slippage? And he said, both. I, I think it really setting a tone for you even get into Utah is, is the right way because let's face it, facing any team on the road is already hard facing any team on the road for a season opener. When you're the, when you're the visiting team is even harder. That's really difficult to do. So they know that they started off 0-4 and how hard that was to overcome that start last year. And they don't want to have to have that uphill battle again. But go ahead. I'd add too, playing in Utah, yeah. you're also playing at elevation. You're yeah. playing at a place that is historically very difficult to play. Uh, you're playing against a team that I think is getting overlooked by so many people. I really like their roster. They're fun. They got a lot of talent. Uh, they got a young coach that really plays, you know, pushes his players and has a passion to him. And that's going to be a good team. So you're going into Utah, all bets are off, man. That's a coin flip game. Like, and you're probably not favored. You're probably a two point underdog in that game. You're probably considered a slightly better team, but at home, you know, a three point, you're probably a one point better team overall, maybe two but a three-point underdog because of it being on the road. And so that's going to work out to be like, I don't know, one or two-point underdog coming into the game. And I think, again, like this team looks 
uniquely poised to concentrate on the regular season early in the year and try to make sure that they're they're collecting wins like nonstop. I think they'll play hard every night. I think they will take every game seriously where a lot of teams don't early in the season. And I think that will lead to a lot of early wins. Um, but I also think that it's teams like this who are also in that same mindset, who are playing for something early uh, and that want to make an impact early and show that they belong early, that you're going to have to go in and really battle as opposed to, let's say, Golden State on Friday, who, you know, I'm not saying Golden State's going to trick off a game in the first mo- uh, first week of the season, but they also don't really care. You know, they know that they're going to be uh, a team that's in the the postseason by the time we get to the end of the year. They know that they still have a bunch of moving pieces and they're trying to figure each other out. And they also would like, but I guess Golden State would also like to keep their thumb on you because you're a little brother down the street and they just beat you in the playoffs. They just beat you in preseason. Steph just went Steph and and, and beat you. And they, they might want to hold you down a little bit here. So... I, I don't know. I think it's going to be an interesting season uh, right off the jump, especially with the the Jazz, the Warriors, and then the Lakers, like the first three games. So if I'm understanding you right, I think what you're saying is opening night is a must-win game. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, obviously joking. But I do think there is a lot of importance in this team getting off to a hot start. And I really do look at that first game against Utah because, as you mentioned, then you get the Warriors, then you get the Lakers, and then you get the Warriors again. And I think, and then your schedule softens up a little bit. I think you got back-to-backs against, or two straight games, I mean, against Houston and and some other little easier, quote-unquote, opponents. But I, I do think it's a, you know, it's really important for this team to get off to a good start. And I think Utah is an easier opponent to do that against, even if it's on the road, than Golden State, LA. Okay, so uh, Trey Lyles is, like, again, people should understand the calf muscle is very, very integral to... Uh, an NBA player's, you know, health, um, a calf injury. Uh, if you if you don't take care of it, um, the calf is the only thing that protects the Achilles tendon. And the last thing you want to do is to see Trey Lyles take a bad step and and miss an entire year. Uh, so this is open to door, though it, it appears uh, today at practice. Sasha Vazenkov was working with the second team, and it's been a little all over the board a little rough during preseason, but we'll start with you, Brendan. Like, where are you at with Sasha as a potential rotational player? Or do you think that there's just like a really, really long way to go between where he is today and the physicality and everything else that he needs to get to in order to play on the, on an NBA court? Yeah. I mean, I don't hate trying him here and there if, especially if a guy like Trey is unavailable, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't out there. I still think he has a long ways to go defensively. I think offensively, we've seen him get a little bit more comfortable throughout the course of the preseason. Still some kinks to be worked out there for sure. But defensively, like he's getting blown by on the perimeter. I think his rotations are a little slow. Saw in that game in Golden State, Mike Brown really pulled him aside after one play and had a decent talk, uh, talk with him about a rotation that he was supposed to make. And he just didn't seem like he fully understood that that was his responsibility. And, you know, some of those conversations just needs to happen. He needs to get a better feel for this. But I think the impression I've gotten is I don't exactly expect him to be in the rotation opening night. You know, coach Brown mentioned, I don't think we've said this on a pod yet. I think this was just the other day um, compared him to the time that he spent in San Antonio with Manu Ginobili and said that there was a point that 
they had to come together as a coaching staff there and decided it was best to sit him for a little while. And Manu got more comfortable. And coach also mentioned some of the pressures that these players are dealing with. You know, you have in a way, almost like entire countries that are have extremely high expectations for you and feel like you're a representation of them. And you're coming over to the NBA and expected to click right away, which is probably not a realistic expectation. So I think it's going to be a process, but I think that's fine. I think that's part of this. And I might've had higher expectations for how quick it would click offensively and thought that that would make up for some of the defensive shortcomings, but this is still a fine part in the process to be in my mind. Yeah, Sean. Um, I, I mean, just looking it up, I think Manu played right around 60 games his rookie season, 69 games. He averaged 20.7 minutes per game. He only averaged 7.6 points. Um, he did struggle by year three. He was an all-star. Um, and, but again, he was a 25 year old rookie. He wasn't a 28 year old rookie. Uh, I don't think Sasha Vizenkov has three years to to get acclimated to the league and become a next level player. Is there, are there things that he does that you're still intrigued by uh, when we watched him out there? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, obviously, you know, he has an, an innate ability to get hot. I like the fact he gets in the lane. I like the fact he's shown an ability to rebound. Um, he, he, mm-hmm. he shows a IQ on the floor that is high. I think understanding certain concepts and, you know, maybe relying on team defense a little bit more than, than, um, than he needs to, um, it will, will, you know, there's, there's so much room. I mean, I'm with Brennan, he's, he's far away, but it doesn't, I don't think you, you sacrifice, uh, you know, where he's at and, and don't play him. I think, I think you got to get him into pretty much every game. You don't want him to lose his confidence. And if things go completely South, you know, fortunately we're looking at a G league season that basically gets underway on the 10th. So just a little bit more than two weeks from now, he's got, he's got essentially two weeks to try to find his flow. And then maybe you put him in a game or two down in Stockton to really find some confidence. And, and I kind of wonder too, and I, I don't really know what the, the rules are here, but if he plays a game or two in Stockton, having a member of the coaching staff, maybe go down there with him with respect to, you know, not to take anything away from, you know, what Lindsay Harding and her staff is will have in Stockton, but just to have somebody that's able to be in his ear um, that he has that familiarity with. And obviously the, that Stockton staff has been around training camp and preseason, and there is a lot of continuity there, but um, none of those guys go to the NBA level uh, like Sasha will and having somebody that possibly can remain there with him as a, as a resource while he's there, uh, be it for a game, three games, whatever it might be, uh, all the while coming back and still practicing with Sacramento would be, would be useful. But um, I'm not totally worried about him. I think he's got a tremendous feel for the game. And I think it's, it's a lot of new concepts that he has to learn and he's going to make mistakes. I mean, we're going to have moments, but I think what he's capable of on the offensive end um, you saw him kind of put force some things, uh, at times, um, to try to get going and, you know, and it's you just kind of, kind of have Kevin Herter as an example, you know, he's not the, the he, he's taking some step backs and when it comes to defense and when your shot's not falling, the patience that you have 
on that end of the floor is a lot less because you're not providing what you're used to providing on the offensive side of the ball. And with Sasha, it's almost like you see him trying to press at times where, oh, I have to be impactful. I have to score. I have to score. Um, but he also wants to be a good teammate too and set people up and keep the ball moving. So a um, little double-edged sword there. I think it's it's just a lot for him to figure out right now. Okay. Um, I think it's interesting. We like, I don't know where Sasha is going to end up. Like, I, I don't know if he'll make it to Stockton and be part of the G league squad. Um, I do think that eventually he'll be a decent scorer off the bench, but for right now, I think he's pretty far behind, um, both, um, physically and sort of academically, if that makes sense. Like he's Explain a really, that. really smart player, but he doesn't know the playbook yet. Right. You know? You can have someone who's really good in math, but they don't know the equations you're working with. And until they learn those equations, they're not going to be okay. And that's what it feels like right now. Like, I think he's, again, a really, really smart player. But I, I just don't know that, like, at the end of the day, physically, he has to get quicker. He's got to be able to move his feet better. And that's one thing that, you know, they'll work on him, like, during the season and also during the offseason. But you know, for right now, like this is a must, this is a win now team. This is not a wait for a 28 year old rookie to figure out team. And so he's going to probably get left behind for a little while and then find his way back in as we go along during the season. And then maybe there's a point where he becomes like a much bigger part of what you're doing, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time. I think it will probably take a couple of months into the season before we really start seeing him. Like he could have a game here and there, but like a real game where he's in or a real stretch where he's impactful and changes things for the Kings. Um, I think it's going to be a while, but I also think that's okay because I think the Kings have, you know, they've got depth, you know, whether it's Trey Lyles at the backup four or it's Harrison Barnes sliding over to play four, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Keegan playing a lot of extra minutes or, or it's Chris Duarte and, and Kevin Herter stealing some minutes at the three so you can move Harrison Barnes over to the four more. I think there are a lot of ways that this team can kind of balance out while Sasha, you know, figures out the game. And uh, and that it kind of leads me to the next question. Like we've we're seeing this thing where I think especially on Sunday, we all went in on Sunday and Mike Brown started talking about, and we've heard this before, but like if Keegan can be like a big three type player, what that means for this team. And it led me to the question of, does that, does Keegan's development and Keegan's ability to reach like a new tier, does it change everything for this team? Because it sure does look like Mike Brown is looking over at, uh, at Keegan and thinking, you know, if Keegan can bump up to 17 or 18 points a game, then I might be able to take a step back at the shooting guard position and use a defensive-minded player like Chris Duarte instead of Kevin Herter in that starting unit because I know I'm still going to get the offensive production out of Keegan, and I'm not worried if I take a step back at the at, you know going from Kevin Herter to to Duarte. But it it kind of feels like not only that, but like the long-term ceiling of this team, everything is really tied to who Keegan Murray becomes. And like, he seems ready for the pressure, but I still think it's a lot to put on a kid. And it's also a lot to like sort of visualize because he's going to have to take a major step if that's where this team is going to go. 
I think it depends what you believe his ceiling is. Like if you think that he can eventually be a all-star a couple times over, then sure a lot is just waiting on him to eventually reach that. If, you know, maybe you're a little lower, he's sort of fringe all-star makes it once or twice throughout the course of his year, uh, his career, then I don't know the eventual Keegan Murray that's the latter of those two like bumps you into championship contention, you know? So I think it depends what you view his ceiling as. I think we've seen it offensively. The finishing was encouraging throughout the preseason. I did just realize earlier this morning, he had one free throw in three preseason games, which you don't love, you know, want him to get to the line a little bit more. Um, He only averaged one. I think he shot 81 last year in his, he averaged one a game last year which you you need a lot more from that guy if you're talking about him as your number two, number three scoring option on a team. And defensively, I still think he needs to he needs to be better, just like everybody on this team. Like There were moments of preseason Andrew Wiggins is just totally bullying through him. And I know Wiggins is strong and has a lot of length, athleticism. <laughs> um, some of his rotations I thought have been fine, but his on-ball de- defense still has a lot of work too. So... I do think he's an X factor of sorts for this team, but I don't know what a realistic like ceiling is for him even going into this season. And if he reaches that, that it necessarily changes the trajectory of the team this year. Yeah. uh, Brendan, I'm actually kind of with you on that. I I don't think certainly, I mean, look, certainly this team would love nothing more than Keegan Murray to become the, you know, the third best player on their team um, to be that part of that big three and, you know, ascend to all those heights. And I, I look, I, I think certainly it's not that far fetched, you know, but I already think he's, and I think he, he admitted this to me as much. I think he's already kind of ahead of the game a little bit. Um, and, and so much so that I don't, certainly there's room to grow and certainly, you know, and Brennan, you illustrated it brilliantly with just some of the things he needs to get better at. Uh, and, and it will impact the team in that way. But I've kind of said all along, like, just just do what you did last year in a way, you know, just if you can be that guy, I think it's going to be it's going to be so great for Sacramento. If you can get if you can be better than that guy, even better, like like but the the baseline should be being that guy that you were last year, because, you know, as Chris Dorte showed you, you know, a sophomore season, you can you can take a step back. And you don't you don't want to see that. I, I think to me, though, to take to your point, James, about wondering if if he ascends to such heights or does so many things like how that has that trickle down effect i think he's really unique in the sense that it 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 doesn't really you know like looking at the i, I don't think mike brown looks at keegan murray and goes hey whether you average 12 or 25 um it means i can possibly look at a more defensive minded player at the two i think he's already doing it you know, I think with with rotationally, you know, maybe not a starter. I think people put too much into the starting kind of m- method, but I don't think he's going to get to a point. I don't think that matters in the sense where he's going to look for defense uh, or find his his best defensive rotation and, and try to lean on it more uh, or less. You know, just because Keegan is scoring more, I, I think it, to me, what I think it it signals more is if Keegan continues to make those steps. Um, whether you look at him as as a three or four and I'm in this weird spot where I've had, you know, debates and I know it's all positionless basketball and at the end of the day, but you know, 
I don't love him as a three because for the main reasons that Brendan pointed out defensively, uh, and he's still learning to kind of take guys off the dribble and be able to get in the lane and finish. Um, to me, he, he seems more of a stretch four, but he's also not tall enough to be that stretch four yet. Um, he's got great size, don't get me wrong, but for some other fours in this league, those athletic fours that you can go up against, um, he's not quite there yet either. So to me, it, it just signals like the beginning of the end of – Harrison Barnes and 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 the role that he plays um, on this Kings team because I still think Harrison has a very definitive role on this team, but the more Keegan rises, to me signals the more less reliance on somebody like Barnes the way you currently um, rely on him. Hmm. Um, it's interesting because I think that like especially this season, I think Harrison Barnes is going to be really impactful still. I think I, we've seen it in preseason. I mean, again, I, I've been on him about the rebounding. I think the rebounding has been, you know, atrocious. He had what two rebounds through the first three games, and he came up with five in the final in, in one of the last games, right? Um, but at the same time, like, I, there's so much that he brings to the table still as just someone that you can rely on for so many minutes. And I, right. I think we could see like a slight step back, but I also think it proves out that the Kings are better, uh, a better team when he is on the floor and the fact that you know again brennan brings up the the free throw shooting harrison barnes your second best your third best guy getting to the line on the team you do need him to have the ball you do need like him to have moments and i think long term you hope that that keegan would transition and take more of the opportunities from harrison but Mm -hmm. at the same time i think people should be hopeful and this isn't a slight i hope it doesn't come across that way that the ceiling for Keegan Murray is not Harrison Barnes. Right. Like that can't, if that's a ceiling, that's yeah, that's a, that's a disappointment at that point. Well, it's a disaster of sorts because then you're figuring out how you're going to rebuild your team. um, Who's going to be that third best player. You need more players like Harrison Barnes. Don't get me wrong, but you also need a player that's better than Harrison Barnes to fit somewhere in the hierarchy with Sabonis and Fox. Um, and that that tier that there's one tier on this team that's Fox and Sabonis, and then the next tier is like four guys or five guys. And so you need to figure out a way to get one of those players into a different tier than the others. And I think Keegan is a guy who has the ability to do that. Um, but at the same time, if he doesn't get there, uh, you can't do what the Minnesota Timberwolves did this week, where um, you already have Ruby, Rudy Gobert on a massive contract, Carl Anthony Towns on a massive contract, and then they just gave Jaden McDaniels a five-year, $135 million extension, and you still have to pay Anthony Edwards. So like, what we're looking at here is like a, a team that very well could be a total disaster down the road. And now Brendan is taking a call. He's big time in us. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah, but you know what? That, to me, that, sign- that signifies by Carl Anthony Towns, like I would have been doing, I would have been waking up every day trying to trade him uh, last this past summer. Um, Who's that? Once be Carl Anthony Towns. Oh yeah. 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 yeah I no, mean, I it's just, right. Uh, I mean, for, for all that. And again, I going back to the Keegan thing though, like I, I already, I said this at the end of last year, like the, the, the difference between like Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray and where they are at already in their career as Harrison kind of already is now over that, that, that crescendo, if you will, and coming down on the other side. Um, 
Keegan's not that far off. Like, I don't think, I think, I think what having Harrison on this extension is great because it's, it's an, it's a, it's very movable, but it's your insurance. If things don't go well, go, go right with Keegan. If, if Keegan takes a step backwards, if he's not ready to take that type of role for this team. And also if you do have him take that type of role with the team, maybe that puts uh, Barnes in the more reserve unit, you know, uh, yeah. at a certain point, if you do bring in somebody like Sasha, if he ascends to being a starting three, which I wouldn't bet, or if you do go out and find a more solidified three, four uh, at, at any point. Gotcha. Is it just me or does uh, Brennan look like silent Bob? There... <laughs> I look like what? <laughs> well, Kevin Smith has lost a lot of weight. Um, yes. But, but I get what you're, he needs a hockey Jersey right now. If that were the case. Sorry. My boss. His, his Brendan, your beard is is really kind of impressive right now. I don't even think I. Oh can wow! Do that. Thanks, sir. Look I at got that. Got a lot of color. My dad's a redhead, so I kind of got red facial hair. What? Random. Yeah. What's <laughs> happening here? Yeah. <laughs> what I come back to? Dad is a redhead. Like yeah. Is, well, he's bald now, is, but yeah. This is strange. <laughs> are you are you going to grow that out a little more, a little thicker? What's going on? Uh, I don't know. I'm just leaving it. I guess. You have an opinion? I like the. Let it, yeah, let it go, man. I think it's sure. No, no, don't let it You're go. In like, the cold months. Keep it well, like right it there. Go. Like yeah, that's yeah. a that's a good a good length. The taper. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm with you there. I'm with. It you. grows pretty I, quick. So I love the fact that he he can still have that little voice crack with his laugh, looking like a grown ass <laughs> man. That's that's amazing. Oh yeah. And um, no shave, no, no shave November, right? Oh, it Ooh. is. Don't know about no that. shave November. So if Harrison does it, I'll do it. He ain't doing it. Oh, man. Okay, so we've covered just about everything under the sun except for uh, some some basic projections and predictions. It is the day before the start of the regular season, and we're going to do it. So let's get to the business of basketball. Sounded like Freddy Krueger right there. Brent, who do you think is going to uh, is gonna be the breakout player on this team? So, so the breakout player meaning meaning that you think whatever you want it to mean it can't be whatever <laughs> like the, you want it to mean the the most unexpected performance to the positive no we'll the, do the one that is the, the we'll x do factor the surprise we'll do the surprise and we'll do x factor how about that the, all right i've got it so Figure we it start out, here go for it brandon so okay biggest we're, surprise, so surprise the breakout okay. player crystal Wait, break <laughs> no biggest surprise biggest surprise sorry is what I was doing. What's the oh, biggest surprise? Between, okay. What's the difference between breakout, Shut up, Sean. It's my turn. X factor, and surprise? I know what surprise means, but what's the one that's the well? Let's just difference? start with surprise, and then we'll get. I'll, I'll put in a disclaimer and give you God. like something to work with here, Sean. Mute yourself. Biggest guys. surprise. God. Biggest I'm going surprise. with Chris Duarte. God damn it, Sean. I am going with Chris Duarte. I think that his potential defensive impact will be will have a surprising impact on this team. I, I think that really there should be better defense for most of their guards, meaning I guess I'm thinking De'Aaron Fox, Chris Duarte, Davion Mitchell. And I, I think Chris's ability to play alongside De'Aaron also play a little bit of two, three and contain some of those bigger guards. You can put them on a, on a Devin Booker or a Bradley Beal and some of these other guys around the league, you know? So I think it's important to have a guy that can play the defense like that next to De'Aaron 
And I'm not sure that Davion's at that point yet, even if his three-point shot was encouraging throughout the course of preseason. So I'm going to go with Duarte for the biggest surprise, meaning like the most surprising impact. Okay, Sean? Um, I, I want to be different. Um, I like with which you went there. I'm going to go with, I, I think I'll go with Davion Mitchell then. Um, I think Davion Mitchell so far in the preseason, I've really liked what I've seen, pushing the pace, very vocal. Defense is obviously fantastic. And his shot looks so much better. Um, getting off the, getting that shot off could be tough. I think he's um, really looking, I mean, he's really looking to push the pace. He's kind of still gets, uh, kind of runs into a jam a little bit at times. But um, yeah, I think, I, I honestly think, if not Duarte, I think I'd probably go towards uh, Davion Mitchell uh, with his improved offensive performance. Okay. Um, I will go Colby Jones. I actually think Colby's going to be part of things. I don't know right. how much early on, but I don't think it's going to take long before he's part of things. And I also think if he does become that, and he, he I think one of the, the like reaction will be more of the big surprise. If Colby Jones is as good as he's shown in preseason and as good as he's, you know, like the murmurs are around him, I think he opens a door for the Kings to make a trade earlier rather than later. And so I liken him to a Bruce Brown or even a, I don't know, Christian, Christian Brown. Can type impactful Hart, Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah, um, I mean, he rebounds, he rebounds pretty not well. Not that level of yeah. impact right away, but yeah. Let me, let me ask you this though. Cause, Cause I wonder how, what you guys think about this. If it, it, it in efforts to give Colby Jones rotational minutes, who does it come at the expense of? And it's kind of a trick question in the way I'm asking it, because I'll go first. I honestly don't think you have to. I just think you just go deeper in the rotation. Um, I think you get a little bit more creative in the way you sub. Um, I obviously, you know, you have so many minutes and you're trying to take away from, from various guys. Um, it'll be obviously Fox and Domas will, will serve a purpose, but if you have one of those guys where it's not falling one night for Malik or Kevin Herter's having a tough night, or even Harrison Barnes having a tough night or Davion, I just feel like you can get creative with the way you do your minutes and just go deeper into your rotation in order to get them in. Hmm. Okay. I would say this. It, I, I believe there are three players that could lose minutes in a situation where he plays. And those three players would be Sasha Vazenkov, JaVale McGee, and Trey Lyles. And I don't think you're going to take minutes from the four main cogs in the backcourt, and then you can throw in a fifth with Chris Duarte. I don't think you're going to lose minutes from Harrison Barnes or Keegan Murray, and you're certainly not losing minutes from Demonis Sabonis. So I would circle those other three and say, okay, like there's going to be times where, uh, you know, Trey Lyles can move to the small ball five and Keegan can play the four and you can mix in Herter or whoever at the three. Like there are ways that you'll be able to play smaller with this team, I believe. And that will, that will open the door for Colby Jones. And again, I liken him to a, like one of those really, really valuable role players that does all the dirty work. And like, again, if it wasn't Chris Duarte popping, popping up and potentially becoming a starter instead of uh, 
Kevin Herter, I think it would probably would have been a Colby Jones type player by the end of the preseason. He's just been that impressive. And like, he's a Jack of all trades guy. He may not do everything spectacularly, but he does everything really good. And that's, you know, he's, he, to me, he's very valuable. He's a two-way connector, which yeah, does have a lot of value. I think that I picture it early on as, you know, maybe Kevin isn't doing what you want defensively. All right, I'm going to go to Colby. Or maybe Davion is not giving you enough offensively, even if he's doing it defensively. Okay, let's try Colby here. I I kind of picture it as somebody else maybe isn't quite doing what coach is asking for, and then Colby gets an opportunity, and then does he take advantage of it from there, and then it could snowball, and I kind of lean towards Sean. Maybe you just lower everybody's minutes a little bit. You just go a little bit deeper especially for a team that is preaching physicality as much as they are. That's tiring. You're extremely high-paced offense, and you want to be extremely physical on defense. That gets tiring. So I think that maybe deepening your rotation could make sense, but I think Colby will get an opportunity because Coach is frustrated with a certain performance on a given night, and if he takes advantage of it, he could keep rolling from there. Okay. Um, Who's the X factor? Let's go reverse order. You go, James. Keegan, I just think it, he, he can take the leap and become the third best player on this team. It changes everything. It's just my personal, like, I, I think he's a player that won't come off the court 35 minutes a game. And uh, I expect the rebounds to be better. I expect the defense to be better. He's stronger. Um, I think he'll still shoot the three ball at a high clip, but he's going to give us way more. And even the him and De'Aaron talking about they have like a dunk contest going for the season who can have the most impressive dunk. That makes sense to me because that hammer he threw down on top of Clay Thompson, I was like, where did that come from? And those are little things that actually end up becoming bigger things as a player grows. If he can become someone who attacks the rim, we won't be asking about the free throw shooting. So if he shoots two more threes a game and he gets to the free throw line twice more a game, all of a sudden he's up to like 16, 17 points a game. And it's like that quick. And like, can he do more than that? I think he can do more than that. I think we're going to see a breakout, but if he doesn't, then this team is going to kind of get like, they're going to start spending their tires a little bit. Who else? Um, uh, For me, it's Malik Monk. It always is. Uh, He needs to play well in order for this team to win. And I don't see that changing from last year to this year. So, uh, if I'm understanding our definitions of surprise breakout next factor uh, to me, X factor would be Malik Monk. I think Keegan's the obvious one, but I want to go a little different with De'Aaron Fox's defense. I think him being the head of the snake and defense be really being where they want to make a majority of their improvements. If he can set a tone nightly, he said at practice day, he wants to be one of the best two blade players in the league. He wants to be the guy at the end of the game, whether you need a stop or you need a bucket, he can get it for you. And if you want to do that, he's got to take a big jump defensively, specifically in his consistency. And I think that really could get infectious. You know, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk could see that and up their intensity and, and everybody really. And, he, you know, Darren's talking about it's just little things. It's pressuring the ball. It's about them starting their offense with 15 seconds on the clock compared to 1920. So I think that if De'Aaron can really come in and set that tone, that, that could be one of the keys to them upping their physicality and improving defensively, which seems to be the big X factor this year. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. 
I don't know hmm. that we all played the same game there, but okay. <laughs> no, I, no, I get you. No, I, I think that, like, I think you're right. Like, there's a lot to uh, the improvement of this team. I think it's not just one player, um, but a lot of, like, the overall growth might come down to, like, one or two players and the steps they take. Uh, who's going to be the biggest disappointment? Or what God. will be the mo- the biggest Gee, disappointment? Was that that wasn't Holy. the question? Our game was breakout. Either way, no, breakout no, we're surprise like, X factor. <laughs> we, uh, no, okay. Who will be the breakout oh, player? Don't make me do another one. These are all the same. They're all the same. No, let's let's, let's just go. Let's go <laughs> you know, straight up. What will be the most disappointing reporter. thing? You, you know, Brendan. Honestly, like I think there's something there. Like regardless of how you how you break it down with. Fox being um, the, the the two-way player or whatever, like honestly him duplicating his first ever all-star season, I think just, you know, obviously there's still room to grow there. He can, he can be even better and he doesn't have to be much better, but I, I'm sure he, you know, that that's what he wants to do. That, that That's the, the goal he set forth. But if he has any regression, like this, this could be tough for the, for the Kings. Right. Sure. Yeah. So I also, so think I, other- I think there's something to that. Yeah. And I think the other end is, you know, we talked earlier about like, oh, they need to get a third guy in that top tier. If De'Aaron moved into a tier by himself with Domas in the second one and De'Aaron was a top 10 guy, that's a route as well. I'm not saying that's the most likely, but he's 25. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Look at Brandon coming up with the haymaker. All right, let's do it. Uh, What do you think will be the most disappointing thing about this season? Either player or like what happens here or there like i don't know are you guys not willing to play this <laughs> um uh, the question oh, yes. is who do you never want to get a one-on-one with this year is that right um god i might go kobe jones just from the aspect of disappointing that we don't see him as much as we want oh because there's a lot of depth you're gonna go to so i'm gonna spin this one so Oh, there will, you go. Yeah. I, I don't disappointing. I think, well, I think I don't, I think Kevin Herter will get his shot back. I think he will find that. I'm going to bet that he does because just, you know, obviously his averages and how he started off last season, he started off damn near 50, 50%. Um, but I think he's kind of the obvious one at the moment um, because he's, the shot just really isn't there. I think he has taken a hit to the confidence, obviously. Um, I I think potentially the one that could have some disappointment um, could be Sasha because there's been so much hype there. And I think if he doesn't deliver or show a glimmer of being what he was overseas, uh, that could be a, a tremendous letdown. I don't know that it will matter or factor that much to team success, but if he I, I think the, the other part is true, though. If he can be that type of player, if he can be overly impactful to where he ends up being a key piece, like that could have a significant impact on the team. But if he doesn't um, turn into that this year, I still feel like they're going to be fine. Like, the, you know, you can go out and make moves. You can you can do what you need to do, but I still feel like you'll be fine as, as a team. I do want to say one more, though, because I feel like Trey Lyles can take a big step back. Hmm. Ooh, okay. Can I change Just my disappointment? Oh, I changed my mind. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I like my guy is Javale. Yes, that's like what I was gonna say. Yeah. 
Well, but yeah, I don't think because is anyone expecting much from him? I mean, is anyone expecting some like, people? Yeah. What I can't what I can't have, Sean, is Dario Sarge to run by you and dunk. Right. I like, I don't think I mean, does any do any of us think he's an everyday player? No. Right? I think Mike Brown does. Like I Maybe. don't think you I mean, do. I don't think no, I don't. I don't think Brendan does. I don't think I do. I don't think you do. Let's see. You over there. We playing Brady Bunch. I, I do think I do think that Mike Brown does. Uh, Mike Brown told us uh last game he sees JaVale playing 12 minutes a night. And I, the, what I yeah, Sean, I, I don't want to see him I don't see him pa- passing the ball at the top of the key. And I I don't want to see him getting blown by by Dario Saric. I mean, like I, I know that that was like two snails racing to the basket, but like that doesn't make any sense to me that you get beat like that like at all ever. Like that's not like hey, who had my rotation? No. That just I don't care if it's preseason or any, anywhere else. Like that that is a Mike Brown call a timeout and pull someone out of the game moment. And that's <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, I like just, I I think we're going to be right back to where we were before where Trey Lyles might be at the 4, I mean, might be at the 5 or Alex Len might get some extra burn. Um, but I felt more confident in preseason minutes with Alex Len on the floor than I did with JaVale McGee. I don't care how many dunks right. JaVale has. And just to just to kind of explain the Trey Lyles possible disappointment, what I mean there is you're you're starting off with an injury that that could be hopefully not too significant, but could put you a little bit behind the eight ball to start. Mm-hmm. And you already have some question, some question in how the rotation works. And obviously you saw what it looked like when you kind of fell out of favor with your, with the head coach last year. So um, it, 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 you, you, I think he found a, um, a level of consistency and a trust in Mike Brown. And he carried that through the playoffs. It was terrific. Um, could be, could there be some let up perhaps? And if there is let up, what does that look like? So I just identify him as someone who could possibly have that disappointment monitor. A step back. Okay. Yeah. Who's who's the MVP of this team? I mean, well, I'm going to go with De'Aaron. I just talked about him as the guy that I thought could eventually, could potentially make that next jump. And I think he's the tone setter on both ends. He's the guy that you give the ball to at the end. I don't think he's the guy that you necessarily ask to lock up at the end of games yet. Like he wants to be, but maybe he can become that. Um, I think, I think everybody I think De'Aaron's the best player, but I think I guess Domas is the most valuable, but I'm sticking with my De'Aaron. Yeah, and I think that's how it's been. I'm with you. Um, but I think this could be the year where that changes. So I'm inclined to believe it's De'Aaron. I do think the table is set though for Domas to go out there and have a breakthrough year. If you're going back to your breakthrough question. Um All I, right. coming off the disappointment in the playoffs, coming off of some of the criticisms that he's had to go out there and have a career year in points and rebounds and all that, and just be that workhorse. Yeah. I, I, I think he could be that breakthrough guy, but I think, I think the table is set for that. I do think though, this in real, in all reality, I think this is the year where they go from having Domas as really being that, that best player and Fox being your most talented player to now Fox being your most talented and your best player. And I, I believe he will take, that big of a leap defensively, that big of a leap uh, just overall. And and all this really kind of stems from Domas, which is why it's so great. But I think this is the year he takes that big step. Do you think 
he's going to, I agree with you guys. I think he's going to be the MVP. Do you think he goes for more than 25 a game this year? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's quite possible. Yeah, especially with the way they score, man. I think it's very. I think it, I, I I think they don't need it. I don't think they need that with the way they score the ball and having talent all over the roster offensively. Um, so I don't think they have to have it, but I think there he's fully capable of doing that. Are we talking like twenty seven, twenty eight. I'd probably say like probably more like twenty five and a half to twenty six. Yeah, I think because last again year... he. he he last year was the most consistent he's been, and but he does sometimes bring the foot off the gas a bit. So he was like 13th in the league in scoring last year, and I did over unders this morning. It was 20 and a half on Fox points, and it just feels safer to go under if I'm yeah. betting. Like that's just a really high number. I'm betting his jump comes defensively, and with that defensive aggression, maybe that means a little less offensive responsibility or just you know deferring a little more often. Um, if other guys are able to pick up the slack, like a Keegan Murray potentially taking another jump or some of these other guys. Um, so I would still bet under 25, but I think he's going to be right around the same number. Is 25 the number, the over-under? It was 25 and a half. Oh, okay. All right. That's a, that's a really like square-on bet. Like I don't know how I would take that because right. it could be a, few, a little bit over, a little bit under. Because what exactly twenty five last year? Twenty five. I thought twenty five point two. Am I wrong? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, let's do. Let's do the horrible thing. Let's let's do win totals. Um, how do we want to do win totals so they're not jaded? Do we want to like type a number into the calculator on our phones and then show it? We can all type it in the private chat and then click enter at the same time. That's not a private. Work. Well, we could just say it. We're in the we're, we're doing a podcast for I have a number and I'm not changing my number. My number is in my phone. Who's going okay. first? I'll go first. And I will say 50 games. God damn it, Sean. 50 for Sean. That's Brendan. my number. I swear to God, it was my number. Doesn't mean you have to change 53. it. 53 is my number. I think uh, they're going to take a leap. Um, but I think, I don't know, 53 is almost like a natural progression, 10% increase off last year. So I don't know. I think they can do that. And I think they're going to take games serious early on when a lot of other teams won't. And well, they'll buy well, into that a lot. I think they're going to care a lot about regular season wins. Since yeah. Brendan and I both had 50, let's just, let's just stick with that for now. Where do you think 50 wins places you in the Western Conference? Four. Probably like four or five. That's why I said four or five. I think they'll I think they'll be fifth. Okay. I, I'm gonna put them at three. I don't I I don't have faith in in the Memphis Grizzlies for sure, which mm -hmm. I kept saying this whole time, like Steven Adams isn't gonna play. And like when is Brandon Clark gonna come back and doesn't look like he's gonna play? And you have all these, you have no jaw faith, out for no, 25 games. No faith in Derrick Rose as a placeholder. Stop it. Marcus Come on, Smart. Come no, on, I'm Luke Kennard. Yes. Marcus Come Smart, on, Luke, yes, I'm saying. the Nard dog. Nard dog. Come on. Yeah, Nard dog's great. Clute, Luke Kennard. Oh, I, I mean, they still have talent, but um, they have a lot of problems. So I don't have faith in them. I don't have faith that this whole situation with the Clippers is going to figure itself out. Um, 
like with whether James Harden joins him or not. And if he does, does that make him better or worse? Like, I think that's a problem. Uh, I don't know, you know, the Lakers can stay healthy or if the Suns can stay healthy or if the, you know, Clippers can stay healthy or like, I don't know any of the, like the, the, Oh, the Warriors. I don't know. The one team I have faith in, in the Western conference, there's only one and it's Denver Nuggets. That's the only way I'm like, all right. Fair. I so believe they're going to be the Kings, there in the end. It sounds like you have faith in the Kings, though. No, I have faith that the Kings are going to build on last year. I don't think they're taking a step back. So maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy, but that that's my guess. I think I was at 51. I'm just feeling it. We'll see. Maybe I'm way off. We were all does, pretty close. Does yeah. 48, 47 wins, does that take you out in out of the top uh seven in the west sorry let me try that again does it take you out of the top six in the west yeah it makes you a playing team i believe yeah, yeah. it's probably right fringe six seven i, right? I think they gotta avo- they have to avoid that at all costs yeah yeah no i, I think so too yeah i think 48 wins is danger zone especially if you uh, can't play defense anything can happen in one game <laughs> No, that's that's very true. That's very true. Unless you can score 170 a, a night, and you're like, we don't worry about defense because we're winning by 30 every night, or at least winning shootouts every night. Yeah. Okay, let's do well, final that was thoughts. Fun. Yeah, it's fun. You yeah. have any other like those little uh, little games? What, I, what, I one came up at uh, among the media. They said uh, over under 0.5. This is me. Uh, Over under 0.5, Kevin Herter drawn charges this year. He played 2,200 minutes last year, did not draw a single charge. He was one of 33 players to play more than 2,000 minutes and not draw a charge. I will add guys like DeJounte Murray and Mikhail Bridges are part of that group. So it does not, that by itself does not mean you're a bad defender. But in Herter's situation, Sacramento's defensive game plan, we've heard Mike asking for guys to be willing to do that. Herter didn't do it once last year. I'm taking the over. I'm taking, I'm taking the over. He, his job's on, in he jeopardy. Didn't, he didn't do it once. Not uh, once. Not once. Okay. And Davion yeah. was what? Top three? Yeah. I forget what his number was, but it was double digits. Oh, yeah, Davion's yeah, great he, at it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a king of drawing the charge. Um, yeah. I'll, I think he'll do it once this year. <laughs> 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 what the- <laughs> i'll tell you what we go on and play Did basketball I take the over, Did I take the over? Yeah. is that what it is all right cool if we all go out and play basketball with the media i will take no. at least two charges in a game of pickup like you i don't die. i don't Come i would back, hurt we'll i would hurt the next day but i that's how i play like i get in the way i like uh, on the like i i set screens i clear space yeah, I would take a I couple of charges. Basketball. I ain't doing it. I ain't doing my, it. I ain't gonna do that. I was a baseball player. I ain't doing it. Nope. Yeah, I'm down. All right. All right. Um, and what was the other one? Uh, the over under on 0. 0.5 uh, Harrison technicals. Harrison Barnes 0. 0.5. No chance. That's I'm taking no the over. Nah. He got he a tech a last tech? year. He got First a tech last on the year. Ball. Well, First one in a get... while. Did he get tossed? In years. Yeah. No, he didn't get, he didn't no. get tossed. He got attacked. That was the game where after Kevin was saying he thought it initially was on him and then realized it was on Harrison and got hyped up off of it. Oh. Oh. Well, maybe that's a secret to unlocking Kevin Herter. 
have Harrison Barnes. HB get a does HB catches a body every now and then, or at least gets one where there's a body adjacent, if you know what I mean, where it's like, you know, driving dunk, guy was in the restricted area, didn't really get dunked on, but Harrison still yells in the guy's face. Maybe that's how he can get a tech. Are we or sure monstrative act. Are we sure he didn't have any technicals last year at all? I, well, well, I, I know he had one. Yeah, just the one. That, that was the only one? Uh, maybe it'll be like a double tech with somebody this year. All right. He's with not Draymond. With with Draymond. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, what do we got for final thoughts? Brandon, we'll start with you. Well, we yeah. had Lindsay's intro presser the other day, Lindsay Harding, uh, new head coach of the Stockton Kings. And I thought it was pretty cool. You know, she's uh, very much a trailblazer as a black female head coach for Stockton. And she is very well-spoken. I haven't had too many conversations with her before. Um, super well-spoken. I thought it was a great moment that she definitely embraced. And I'm excited for Stockton this year. You know, they also just traded, I think, Trey Burke for Gary Clark and Alfonso McKinney. And McKinney's been playing overseas, but they've been moving their roster around a lot. I'm excited for the opportunity Lindsay's going to get and what that group's going to look like. Yeah, I think they've bulked up a lot. Like their roster is pretty stacked for the G League level, uh, mm-hmm. especially if everyone, like I think Chance is there, right? Yeah. So we got yeah, Chance, you got Scal, you got... Uh, they signed the other two guys the other day, Jake Stevens and oh, what Dane was Goodwin. Dane mm-hmm. Goodwin. Um, they traded for James Akinjo, who played right. at Baylor with Kendall Brown. Um, they got the three uh, two ways. So mm-hmm. Jordan uh, Ford, which congrats to Jordan Ford for like he he's made it. Um, we also you know like Slauson and. Colby Jones should get some burn there, and Keon Deontay Ellis. Deontay Burton. Oh, Deontay Burton's back. Jeremy Deontay Lamb. Burton is a scary dude. Jeremy Lamb. It, and there was talk that um, I don't know if he's still considering, but Jalen Noel, uh, Noel, Jalen Noel. There we go. Jesus, the Kings <laughs> totally messed with me and Sean on that. Totally messed with us. Uh, Sean, what do you got? Final thoughts. Uh, I agree with Brendan in terms of what, I mean, that press conference, she commanded the room. Uh, she absolutely had everyone captivated. If you haven't watched the the press conference, it's um, really entertaining. It's, it's thoughtful. It's uh, super interesting with her background and, and her um, just her answering questions the way she did. I thought we were kind of hanging on every word. I thought, it, I thought she won the press conference much like uh Mike Brown did uh, when he when he showed up and he was there to support and um, great to see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Stockton Kings. I'm uh, I'm I, I just have to say it, man. Really thrilled. Harry Giles has made an NBA roster. It was yeah, very cool to see. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be get fun. your own final thoughts, loser. The hell that was that what was my I... final thought right there. Oh, your your first final oh, thought was Lindsay. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Well, I went Lindsay and Harry Giles. I was just uh, helping yeah, you. you know, whatever. It was my thought, but it's all good. We can <laughs> and share I saw Killers of the Flower Moon, which I invited Brennan to. Not really. I, Not well, really. No. <laughs> First of all, I, 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 I was Erroneous. like... He, Erroneous! <laughs> Brennan said he would go with me. And then I did the... I, I kind of screwed up and, and had a moment oh, where, mm. I got, where I could go last night. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. And then I was like sitting in the theater. I was like, oh, shit, I, I told Brendan we were going to go see this. 
You didn't think and about so, me once. Don't lie. No, I did. I did because I right in the previews, I was like, oh, it didn't dawn. On, it should have dawned on me like, earlier. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Brendan. <laughs> I go, oh my god, I told Brendan. So almost a four-hour movie. It's fantastic, Brendan. If you go see it, I'll go see it for a second time. Stop. I'll go see it with you. Stop it. I'm never watching life. And I'm and not. I'll buy I'll buy your I'll buy your uh, your ticket and popcorn. Or you see it twice, a four hour movie. It was good. Because I feel bad. I legit feel bad. I I went. Uh, and Sean is forgot a bad friend. I, I, no, I'm a good friend. I'm saying I'll go again and I'll purchase everything. Uh, it's you. okay. I'll forgive you, Sean. I don't even remember the name Thanks, of the buddy. movie. <laughs> Brendan That's... and I did get a uh, a beverage earlier this week. I should. We, we that did? was fun. Oh. Yeah. Was, I, I didn't get an invite. You're probably yeah, you live in another state. What do you want? <laughs> I don't know. I like you could at least call me. <laughs> Wait, it was midnight, sir. <laughs> just Sean is such a shitty friend. <laughs> yeah, I agree, James. <laughs> Sean, Sean, you're a shitty friend. <laughs> Hasn't even bought um, me a early hat. It's ridiculous. Uh, okay, so final thoughts from James. Uh, number one. Uh, Kings open this regular season on the road in Utah on Wednesday. Uh, come back, and then we got uh, two home games. We got Friday and Sunday against the Where's Warriors. The uh, no, I'm 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 getting to it. I was also okay. going to steal the Harry Giles thing. Um, I did send uh, Harry a uh, congratulatory congratulatory text. He's super excited. I'm so excited yeah. for him. There was also something really strange in the New York post about this that said that Harry Giles had blown out his ACL again, um, which I had not heard. And I thought that that was interesting. They said when he played for the Clippers last year, or I believe the year before the Caliente that he Mm. blew out his, uh, his Achilles again, which would be his his third. No, no, not his Achilles, Uh, not his Achilles, his ACL, his ACL, which I had not heard that he'd blown out his ACL again. Yeah, he when I sat down with him, he told me just a, it was just a setback, like soreness in the knee, that kind of thing. Okay, if, I don't know. Maybe he was trying to keep it a secret. I have no idea, but well, it's uh, out that's there news to me yeah. in New York Post. But I don't know. It's it just the way it was phrased was strange. Um, so anyway, like, look, I, I'm super excited for him. He's a great kid, 25 years old. He's getting a shot, and he's not on a two way. He's on a standard contract. Um, this is big. Uh, I'm really excited for him to actually, uh, make it back to the league. Hopefully he, uh, he's able to get some minutes and figure it out and, uh, and carve out a spot for himself. Um, outside of that, um, I don't think I have any other standard final thoughts. Yeah. I did look outside like I always do. <laughs> my favorite point. It's my favorite yeah. point in the day where you come try to find your thought and it's like a man looking out the window. It is like, it's I'm great. looking at the lake, which is what I always do. Um, Hmm. Uh, I probably I need to put the cover on the boat. That's probably my final thought. Oh, yeah, I, I probably need to do, do that. Uh, my boat, not my son's boat. My son's gonna have to put the covers on his own boats. My mm. boat, the, we need to. But it rained, and so now everything's all wet, and you don't want to put a cover on and trap. Wait, did it ever? It, I was caught out in the middle of that. It was horrible. Yeah, torrential downpour. It's out too of early for that shit. Let's. We don't need that right now. Yeah. I mean, I know the uh, state. Oh, we need it, but do we? Let's do we do we um okay my last final thought is uh tune into the insiders me and kyle badson are having a great time it's been a, a really fun adventure getting to know kyle and building chemistry with him uh 10 to noon monday through friday on espn 1320 um you guys need to plug anything no i don't think watch so, fox really. 40 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll be on Studio 40 with our friends Gary Gelfan and Scott Moak tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning. Well, it's not oh. morning. It's like Wednesday at 1230. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I used to do that all last year. I don't I don't know if I will this year or not. Um, it's a little hectic because I, I don't get off right. until noon. Um, yeah, so maybe I will make an appearance. Maybe I won't. I, I always have fun with those guys. They're fun. Yeah. Good dudes. Uh, Sac Republic. We get a Sac Republic game coming oh, up. Oh, the last one. It's pretty fun. It conflicts yeah. with the home opener for the Kings, which is a little um, unfortunate, but that's all right. You know what I say? Just you know, just just advance, advance to the Western Conference Finals, and then you don't have to worry about that. Hopefully, okay. Uh, to be fair, sweet. for all I know, the Western Conference Finals could be scheduled on a home Kings home game too. I just I haven't I haven't seen probably. that, but I bet probably not. Um. Okay, so we'll finish up here. Uh, we are looking for a spot to do our... I, I have a lead, but we, we are looking for a spot to do our in-person... Uh, I don't... I, I want to call it a real happy hour. It's not... I don't think we'll do a show on the first time we do this. We'll just go and hang out with the good people uh, of the King's Beat. Um, maybe what we'll do in that situation, too, is... Uh, like, maybe it'll be on an away game night where we can start out early and then, you know, if the game is a little bit later in the evening, we can watch some of the game together before we all part ways. Uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out the specifics of it. Um, but if you own a restaurant or have any friends that have a restaurant and or bar and or, or have a brew house. That works at a restaurant, Brendan. Brendan. Um, that one. Yeah, like hit hit us up. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna try to figure this one out. Um, cool. That's gonna do it for this edition of the King's Beat podcast. Uh, if you're still watching and you don't mind, make sure you give us a thumbs up. Subscribe that restaurant to the channel. Must have a bar too, by the way. It must have a bar, a full it can't bar, be like a Denny's. Yeah. No, I do not want a Denny's. <laughs> Sean, we can set this up at a Denny's. We're not doing it at a Denny's. <laughs> what? Are you, we are not going to a Denny's. Um, all right. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kingsbeat podcast for Fox 40, Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunes from the Kings Pulse podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kingsbeat. See you later this week.